Welcome to Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook and Instagram. And please use the hashtag NowChurch. Thank you, and enjoy today's service. Anyway, it's great to be together. We're glad that you're part of Now Church, and what a great blessing to have new members come in the same day as uh, child dedication. I just love that. That's the, that's, the, that's the best kind of growth. We're just very excited that you're here. We're continuing our thought today uh, on uh, getting God into your life and sharpening your spiritual edge. It's a time when God wants to do something. Listen, if you're not going forward in your relationship with God, you're already going backward because Jesus is always moving. The, the Holy Spirit is always moving. There's always something moving, shifting. If things stay the same for too long and you're static and you're saying, well, I'm good, I'm good. If you're not growing, you're shrinking. And so you have to really understand that and I'm ready for my timer to start. Sorry, they didn't start my timer yet. And that just gives me all kinds of freedom. Anyway, <laughs> that you don't want. Anyway, last week we talked about our spiritual edge. I'm a Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. How one encounter with one man changed a whole nation, and 2,000 years later, there are still people being affected by one divine appointment with one person and another person. We said our edge is the measure of the energy and vibrancy of our current God connection. It's not about how you used to be. It's about how you are right now. It's about how your relationship is right now. Do you have the fire? You don't have the fire. You have the passion, you don't have the passion. You can't pretend it, but God can sharpen you up. Today's message I call, Get Your Acts Together. Get your acts together, okay? We're starting with a little passage in 2 Kings chapter 6. I'm going to tell you the story. I'm not going to look at the scripture. Just trust me. Anybody believe I can read? How many believe I can read? Okay, good. Then I'll just tell you the story, okay? You can check it out later and make sure that I'm right on. But 2 Kings chapter 6, there's an obscure little story about a group of young prophets that came from the school of prophets to Elisha. Elisha is the, you know, Elijah, Elisha. Elisha is the guy of the double portion. And the young prophets come with the word of the Lord and they said, um, Elisha, it's time to expand. The place where we are is too small. Everybody say too small place we are is too small. Let's go to the Jordan and get the wood we need to build bigger and to build better. And Elisha said, okay, go with my blessing. Go, go ahead and go. Then they invited him, even though it was their idea, and he went too. And as they were chopping down trees for the wood to build, one young prophet had his iron axe head fly off the handle and into the Jordan River and sink down to the bottom of the Jordan. We don't know how deep it was, but it was really, it, it could, have been, could have been, you know, 20, 30 feet, 40 feet, 50 feet deep or more. And he calls for Elisha's help. He calls for his help, number one, because he recognizes that he's lost his edge. He lost his edge. Number two, he said to him, it was borrowed in the first place. It wasn't really mine. And the senior prophet didn't seem to panic or get angry. He simply asked him, where did you lose it? And when he told him, he showed him right where it flew off right there into the Jordan River, Elisha does something kind of crazy. He grabs some wood and he makes a new handle 
and he throws it into the water. And when he throws it in the water, suddenly the iron axe head rises from the bottom and does what iron axe heads don't do. It floated. It floated up. It defied the laws of gravity and rose to the surface. Remember, in the kingdom of God, listen, in the world, people don't walk on water and iron doesn't float. But in the kingdom of God, all things are possible as we sung about a few moments ago, right? In the supernatural flow of the kingdom of God, anything can happen. I remember when I was first a, a young, you know, when I first got, first got filled with the Holy Spirit, I, I really wanted to see if I could walk across a pool <laughs> to test my faith. And it didn't work out very well. I went up wet every time. But Jesus walked on water and Peter walked on water. So it is possible, but only if God says in the final scene in that passage, Elisha instructs the young prophet. He says, now listen, pick it up for yourself. So he reached out his hand and he grabbed it. I want to weave in from the New Testament, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, from the Amplified Bible, a great paraphrase that really fleshes out all of the words and what they mean from the original Greek. Hebrews 4, 12, Amplified says this, for the word that God speaks is alive and full of power, making it active, operative, energizing, and effective. That's powerful. It is sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating to the dividing line of the breath of life, the soul, and the immortal spirit, and of joints and marrow of the deepest parts of our nature, exposing and sifting and analyzing and judging the very thoughts and purposes of the heart. I want you to know the sword of the spirit is the word of God. And the Bible says it is in your mouth. And that word is alive. It is full of power. It is energizing and active and operative and effective. And it changes everything. When you get that word in your heart and you speak that word, when you're going through something and you agree with what God says more than what you feel, it will shift everything in your life. Let's pray together one more time. Father, would you open the eyes of our heart today and help us to see what you see, to hear what you're saying, to do what you're doing, and to be who you've called us to be. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. We're living in unprecedented times of obvious, obvious spiritual warfare. I mean... You know, when, when I was a young man, uh, everybody talked about, the, you know, the devil is hiding somewhere. Well, he's not hiding anymore. He's in plain sight. It's silly because people still don't see him. He's, he, he's not masquerading as a, as a you know, uh, the, the red pajamas with horns and a pitchfork and a tail, you know. That's not, that's not, that's not he's not even hiding that way. It's so openly uh, things that defy the word of God, defy the will of God, and defy really common sense and logic. It's kind of crazy what all's going on in the world. The souls of people, groups, cities, and even nations literally hang in the balance. And we said last week that warriors, the, the prayer warriors, get tired from time to time. There's a tremendous spiritual pressure in the invisible realm as the forces of hell use their sleight of hand tricks of distraction, Deception and division, the three Ds. 
The enemy says, hey, hey, look over here. Me now, he's popping you upside the head with his other hand. There's a way that we lose sight. And I think a lot of times, the last few years, things have been about sleight of hand and distraction. We've got to keep our eyes on Jesus, keep our eyes on him, trusting him, and letting God do something great. Because God wants to do something powerful in your life. But it's about you growing and continually expanding. And you, only, you can only do that when you keep your eyes on him. Keep your eyes on the word. In times of prophetic, God-ordained growth and expansion, it becomes more crucial than ever to keep your anointing and your discernment sharp. I want to talk to you today about getting sharper in your spirit. The sharper your revelation knowledge of God and spiritual discernment, the less emotional, mental, and physical strength you have to use to break through. If you're, if you're, if you're exhausted right now, I remember we used to have a, 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 one of our friends, uh, uh, Charles Neiman from El Paso, Texas, would come in, and he would say, uh, uh, you know, oh, uh, uh, well, you were supposed to come to church, but you, oh, you, but you stayed home because you were too tired to go to church. And that Texas twang, he said, you're too tired? You're too tired to go to church? Too tired to go to church? Oh, huh, huh? You're too tired to go to church. See, a lot of times we, 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 we get tired and we don't really know what we're tired of. Part of the tiredness is because we settle into this life of, of, of faith and we don't sharpen sometimes. We just, we use the edge God gave us and that edge gets dull. That edge gets dull. You know, if you've if you ever been around chefs, um, they're always sharpening their eyes. Anybody been to Ipanema? I think one of our best restaurants in the city is the Brazilian churrascaria uh, right up the road here. And uh, they, they, they have these gauchos that bring the meat out and they slice it up. You see them constantly back there in the back where they're cooking the meats on the grill, on the flame. They're constantly sharpening their knives. I don't know the last time I sharpened one of my knives at all. I mean, we probably have the same steak knives. We probably change them every few years, but I haven't sharpened a steak knife. No wonder it's hard to cut butter with it now, you know? You, but we, we don't think about that. But people that are dealing with sharp objects think about it all the time. Because if they don't have it sharpened on a regular basis, they know that it's going to be a challenge and they're going to have to use more strength and they don't want to do that. In the text, we see some really strong men of God. They were young men. They were in prophetic training by Elisha, the double portion guy, the double portion of anointing. They were in prophetic training, and we see them, and they were strong men. They were mighty men. They had a sense of, uh, of a season of growth and expansion is coming. Push out. It's time to push out, they said. It's time to grow this, uh, prophet Elisha. Do, do we have your blessing? It's time to grow. It's time to expand. He said, yes, you have my blessing. But what are you going to do about it? They said, well, we've got to build for expansion. We've got to build something. They, know they, needed, they knew they needed to prepare for growth by building new structures, as we're doing right over here. As they went to get materials, they faced a sudden challenge. One of the young men worked so hard and hit that ax so hard against those trees that his ax head literally flew off the handle and into the depths of the Jordan. 
Now, I told you in the beginning of the year, <clears throat> Jordan, uh, to me, the, the year 2023 reminds me of the Jordan because of Michael Jordan's main number, 23. Um, some of you don't know Michael Jordan. That's okay. Anyway, understand that in the prophetic season we're in, I think that this, the Jordan always speaks of transition and change. Every time they went to the Jordan, they had to cross it, sometimes a couple of times. And crossing the Jordan, we'll talk about more next month, but crossing the Jordan was a big, big deal. And in this moment, they said, we got to do something, but that thing flew off. It didn't fly off into the land. It didn't fly off into a tree. It flew off into the Jordan. He literally lost his cutting edge. His senses had become dull. And sometimes my concern is that the church of Jesus loses its axe head too. Just like the book of Acts, the actions of the early church, we lose our connection with the acts of God. The actions of God, the actions of the Holy Spirit. We get more focused on tradition than the presence of God today. We get more focused on <clears throat> whether we're doing hymns or praise and worship or whatever. We settle into a routine and we stop engaging our spirit in the pursuit of God. That's one of the definitions of worship, engaging your spirit, your inner man in the pursuit of God. It is possible to stand here and sing a song of worship and be thinking about lunch or being worrying about a problem, or be angry with someone standing next to you. It's possible to be in the room, <clears throat> but not present. It's possible, possible to be here without really being connected and sharply focused. The power of the early church was in their sharply focused spiritual senses. They, they saw, they, they had that relationship, like I said last week about Philip the Evangelist. He, he listened to the Spirit of God say, leave this big crusade in Samaria of thousands and go to the desert place. Well, nobody wants to go to the desert when they're in a successful place now. But sometimes God calls you to the wilderness so he can bring you into a new promised land. Sometimes he, listen, the Bible says when Jesus was baptized in water, and the Holy Spirit came upon him, and the Father said, this is my Son, in whom I'm well pleased. The Bible says in the next verse, and the Spirit of the Lord led him into the wilderness for 40 days and nights. It was a season of a wilderness experience, and it is a challenge. It is a season, though, and when you go through that season, you've got to go in expecting that God will be with you in the wilderness, but on the other side of it is a fresh promised land. On the other side of it is a fresh mandate. Listen, Jesus went, the Bible says, he's led by the Spirit into the wilderness. But then it says in Luke chapter 4, he came up by the Spirit out of the wilderness and he went into the church, he went into the synagogue, and it was his turn to read, and he read his mandate out of Isaiah. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. The Spirit of the Lord had to get upon him in that dry time, in that challenging time. <clears throat> we all lose our edge from time to time. But the early church was quick to sense the guidance of the Holy Spirit and obey. Like the Old Testament tribe of Issachar, they understood the times and knew what to do. We desperately need that same spirit of wisdom in our day now. 
1 Corinthians 4, 1 warns us this. Now, the Holy Spirit expressly says that in latter times, some will depart from the faith. I talked to you last week about deconstruction. People are trying to actually dissuade people from their faith right now all over social media. If you're not careful, you listen to, you know, uh, Dr. Doolittle on, on, uh, you know, on, on, on social media, and he's going to tell you what, 10 reasons why the church was wrong and, you know, all the things and this and that. It's crazy. It's ridiculous. It's a lie. The Spirit says, especially in the latter times, some will depart from the faith. Why, though? Giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. Paying attention to the wrong thing. Hey, look over here. Bam. That's exactly what it is. Sleight of hand. Get you all obsessed with something you, here you're, here you're so, you're probably more blessed than you've ever been in your life, and I'm not talking about just financially, I'm talking about in your life. You've probably never been more blessed or full of what God wants to do in your life than you are right now. And yet, the enemy will point out the one thing you don't have and get you to obsess over it. Right? Happens to all of us. That one thing that eludes you, that one thing that you, you can't seem to grab that part of the brass ring yet, it's deception. Doctrines of demons. Wokeism. My friends, it's easy to lose your edge. It's so easy to lose it. If you've been walking with Jesus in dynamic relationship for any length of time, you can easily fall into routines and rituals and lose your first love. That's why the, the Bible says in the book of Revelation, Jesus speaks to the churches, and one of the things he says is, hey, you're a great church. You know, the outward stuff, you're doing a lot but I'm upset with you because you've left your first love. Come back and do the first works. Do you remember what it was like, those of you that are married, when you fell in love with your spouse? Remember what it was that you first liked about them, first attracted you about them? Then you're together for years and years, and you can easily forget you can easily start getting so distracted by what somebody else does. You know, you chew your food too loud. Your Cheerios have gotten louder every year. My wife doesn't eat breakfast, so I'm not talking about her. I'm saying little annoyances. I saw a quick interview with Dolly Parton the other day on something, and she's talking about when she wrote the song Jolene, is because her husband was flirting with this lady. <clears throat> and, and, um, and she wrote the song to, because she felt everybody has a Jolene in their life that's trying to flirt with their spouse. And she said, there are times now where she looks over at him, and I think her husband's close to 80 now, maybe in his 80s. And she says she looks over sometimes when they're just sitting around the house, and he's fall, falling asleep in the chair and snoring, and she says, where's Jolene now? I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> Jolene, you could have him now, she said. <clears throat> it doesn't take much to lose your first love. It doesn't take much to lose your spiritual edge. 
you lose the why behind the what. You lose the motivation and the inspiration if you don't constantly bring it up and remember and reflect on the goodness of God and the, and the goodness of the people around you. It is easy to lose your edge. We don't know how much, the, uh, much about this young man that lost his axe head in the story, but we're told, listen, he was doing the Lord's work. He's building a church. He was building a building to increase God's work. That's what he was doing. He was building something. He wasn't out there, you know, partying at the Jordan Disco the night before. He wasn't out there going crazy in the street. He was doing God's work. But he still lost the axe head. We don't know a lot about him. We don't even know his name. But we know this. He was doing God's will. Just as you have to guard your heart in all of your closest relationships, so you have to guard your motives, your words, and actions as you walk with Christ. As you walk with Jesus, you've got to guard this inside of you. Not just the physical heart, but your spiritual heart, your emotional heart. The Bible says, out of your heart. Guard your heart, Proverbs says, for out of it flow all the borders and boundaries of your life. Out of your heart, out of your innermost being, flow all of the borders and boundaries. All of the issues of life come from in here, not in here. This guy didn't seem like a bad guy, but he still lost his head. Even worship, as I said earlier, can become cold and tired. Like listening to your favorite song so much it loses the power to move you. We've all done that. Anybody that likes music? You can lose the power and appreciation of something simple like revelation. The ability to hear what God is saying now. One of the most important aspects of relationship with God is the power of revelation knowledge that God can speak to your heart right now and give you a thought from heaven that can change your life, shift your trajectory, and move you forward again when you've been unstuck. When you've right been there in that one stuck position for too long. <clears throat> God wants to engage your heart right now, today, where you're sitting, where you are at home, connecting with us on our online campus, whatever you're doing, this is the time. You can't say, well, I'll do that tomorrow. That's never, listen, God is only in the now. As in the text, the young prophet admits something. He says something powerful. When Elisha asked him, where did you lose it? He said, he said two things. I lost the axe head, and by the way, it wasn't mine. It was borrowed. I've heard people preach on this and talk about debt. I'm not talking about debt here. But something being borrowed is different than when you own it. What I believe he was saying, what the, the, the metaphor of this whole thing is this, that the cutting edge wasn't even his in the first place. He was copying somebody else. He was going along with the prophetic Flow, going along with the group. He, he lifted his hands like they did. <clears throat> he sang the song like they did. But he didn't have his own revelation. 
He borrowed it. That's why he didn't have his edge. That's why he lost his edge. It wasn't even his. He reveals that. It wasn't. He copied somebody else's revelation, then even lost that. But here's some good news today before you go home. It's easy to get your edge back too. It may be easy to lose it, but it's easier still to get it back. One of the clues here is that Elisha didn't chide the young man. He didn't rebuke him. He wasn't mad at him. <clears throat> he didn't say, well, you dumb thing. How'd you lose it? You can't lose an axe head. If it's over there, what do you want me to do about it? He simply said, show me, young man, where you lost it, even though it was borrowed. Where did you lose it? He pointed right at the Jordan, right where it went out into the water. And Elisha gives us a clue because he made a, a brand new handle. He didn't reuse the old one. He said, well, give me, give me that handle. Let me fix it for you. He, he made a brand new handle and he threw it into the Jordan River. The Jordan, as I said, always speaks of crossing over from one season to the next. But he cast that handle into the water. The handle, not only did the handle not sink, but the iron came up and connected to it and reattach itself to this brand new handle. You know, the Bible talks about new wineskins. That why should, Jesus said this, he said, why should anybody take new wine that's still fermenting and, and, and still aging and put it into an old wineskin? Because as it expands, it'll rip that old tired thing and, and we'll lose it all. No, uh, there's somebody that's gonna take new wine, they gotta put it into a new wineskin, a brand new vessel. Now, you can take old wineskins and make them new, but you have to put them in a lot of oil for a long time. You have to drench them in water. You have to drench them in oil. You have to rub them. You have to work out the cracks. You have to fill in the holes. You have to fill in the gaps. Elisha made a new handle. Jesus said, we need a new wineskin. You gotta make your life a new container, a new vessel for God to pour out his spirit into you and through you. It flowed to the new handle. The anointing of the Holy Spirit is the only source of your power, not your genius, not your logical brain. Elijah, Elisha didn't say, well, let me uh, think of a way that I can put a magnet in there and try to get that iron axe head back. No, he, threw the, he made a new handle by faith and he threw that new handle into the water by faith. And that axe head, that iron, defied the law of gravity and rose again like the resurrection power of Jesus. It rose. It came up. It did what iron does not do. <clears throat> it defied all the properties of physics. I want to encourage you this before you go. Beware of the self-made attitude. The fastest way to lose your edge is pride independence from God, the feeling that I've got this instead of simply asking for God's help. The Holy Spirit is called the helper, the helper, the one who, uh, the Greek word, uh, it's, he literally comes alongside in a way that he can't get any closer. He's, he's, so, he's so by your side, he's inside. He's with you. 
So many of the situations, the Old and New Testament, where people got themselves in a jam, God would say this, I will be with you. I will help you, and I'll be with you. He didn't say, I'm going to get you out of this instantaneously, you know, blink in your eyes, and, 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 and you'll, you'll be okay. Wiggle your nose. No. He says, I'm going to be with you in the midst of it. I'm going to walk with you through it. And if necessary, I'll carry you through it. But you're going to get through. Tell somebody next to you, tell them I'm going to get through this. Tell them I'm going to get through this season. Tell them I'm going to get through it. With God's help, you will. I want to read a couple more things and I'm done. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 17, 18 from the message says this. The, the whole chapter of Deuteronomy 8 is about why God would allow his people at times to go through financial testing. Anybody ever been through financial testing? It is the worst testing. It is one of the worst testings. Health and finance. Um, when you're so broke you can't even pay attention, it's one of those moments in your life where you just like, I, can't, I, I, I just can't even. I, I can't even anything. Financial testing. But Deuteronomy chapter 8, when it goes through it, it says, the whole purpose of this when you were going through your wilderness time for 40 years is so that God would know what was in your heart and whether you would start taking the credit when the good stuff comes back. Deuteronomy 8, 17. If you start thinking to yourselves, I did all this and all by myself I'm rich. It's all mine. Well, think again. Remember that God your God gave you the strength to produce all this wealth so as to confirm the covenant that he promised to your ancestors as it is today. God says, remember, it's me that gave you the creativity and the strength and the job in the first place. It's me that gave you the idea. It's me that gave you the persistence. It's me that was with you when it was so bad you wanted to quit a thousand times. But you have to give him the glory, see? See, you, when, you, when you start realizing that along the way, you started saying, look, wait, we finally bought our house. Look at what we built. Isn't this great what we built? Unless the Lord builds the house, we labor in vain. He just wants the glory. He just wants the credit that you and he both know that he's God and you're his kid. That he makes you to know that man should not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. The Lord warned the children of Israel they would go through times of financial testing but it was for a greater purpose so they would never, ever, ever forget that God had taken taking them from nothing into a land of abundance, blessing, and prosperity. Don't ever take the credit. And I don't mean just in front of your friends. I mean in your own heart. Every good gift that is in your life is from above, James says. Has come down from the Father of lights in whom there's no variation. 
Every good thing in your life and mine has nothing to do with us. It has everything to do with him. It is his goodness. It is his grace. And that's where when you, the, the good part of that is if you're feeling unworthy today, it's not about your worth anyway. It's about his seeing you worthy enough to go to the cross for your sin, enough to go to the cross for your mistakes, for all the junk that you brought about on yourself. Quit beating yourself up for it. Jesus was already beaten for it 2,000 years ago, and nobody has to be beaten again. You just have to accept the free gift that he's given you. And ask him to sharpen you up. Repent. God resists the proud. What's the proud? The proud of the people that start going, hey, 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 look what I did. I made it here. Started from the bottom. Now we're here. Three people know that. Here we are because of, we're, we're doing pretty good now, aren't we? We're doing good for ourselves, aren't we? Didn't we do good? You say, Pastor, why is it taking the legacy building so long? Because we can't get the credit for any of it. <laughs> when we're in it next month, and we will be in Jesus' name, he gets all the credit, all the glory. We needed this for, we've needed this building for 20 years. We've been on a journey to build it. But to God be the glory. Great things he has done. Finally this. It's time to find a fresh flow of God in your life. Elisha threw that thing into the water. He cast it on the sea. He threw it into the flow of the water. Now, nobody knew maybe exactly what was going to happen. But he was willing to throw that into Something that it may not come back to him. He don't know. He doesn't know. He's just doing it because he's instructed by the Spirit of God. Here's what you do to show them something. It's time to find a fresh flow of God in your life. But here's my question as we finish. Are you willing to change? Are you willing to change? Because here's the deal. Growth equals change. And change equals temporary discomfort. Growth equals change. Say that with me. Growth equals change. Change, change. equals temporary discomfort. See, we don't, we're, we're creatures of comfort, right? We want the most comfortable road, the most comfortable bed, the most comfortable shoes, the most comfortable chairs, the most comfortable everything. And I get that as I get older. Uh, you know, there, there's nothing more important hardly than comfortable bed and comfortable shoes. It trumps style when you're my age. I, I like the style, but it sure better be good for my feet. Right? Come on. That's the reality of life. The older you get, the more you crave the comfort. But here's the deal. Are you willing to change? Even though you know it means that there's going to be some uncomfortable moments. It's different. Elisha tells a young prophet, pick it up for yourself. Take hold of it. Grab your own revelation and quit copying what everybody else says. Get in this book and get into it and ask the Holy Spirit to help you to understand it for yourself. 
I love that you're here to, pre- to for hear the word that we're preaching on Sundays. And I hope that you're listening and watching and doing different things. But there's no substitute for you digging in and drilling down and saying, God, what do you want to teach me today on Monday morning? And let just let the book open up to you and God show you. It's yours now. Get your own revelation. Only, listen, only the truth you know, understand, and apply that will set you free, according to John. Joshua 3, 4 says, you haven't passed this way before. You got to get your own view of what the Holy Spirit is doing. Proverbs 23, 23 from the Amplified says this, buy the truth and sell it not. Not only that, but also get discernment and judgment, instruction and understanding. In other words, for yourself. Get all this stuff for yourself. Why? Because the now word that God speaks is alive and powerful, active, operative, energizing, and effective. It's time to get your edge back. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word today. I just let let your presence come in that manifested, tangible way that you'd meet people right where they are, that you'd move inside of them. Lord, in this place, we believe that your word says that when we honor you and lift up your name, that you settle down among us, that the Holy Spirit literally sits among us. And he wants to touch your life Maybe there's some of you today that don't know the Lord in a real way. Maybe you know religion and tradition and routine. But do you know Jesus in a real way? And have you experienced the power and encounter with the Holy Spirit? We were praying for the children that we dedicated a few moments ago. Part of my prayer is, God, reveal yourself to them individually at the earliest possible moment of time, whether they're two years old, whether they're 12 years old, whether they're 22 years old, at the earliest possible moment when their heart is open even a little bit, Lord, reveal yourself. And that's my prayer for you right now. Maybe you're watching online. That's my prayer for you right now, that you would open your heart, that God would reveal himself to you as you look for him The word of God says that he'll reveal himself to you. When you seek him with all your heart, the promise of God is you'll find him. You'll find him. You don't have everything. You don't know everything. You don't have every revelation there is. You need fresh revelation. You need your own revelation. There are some of you young people that have been living off your mom and dad's faith. And you have questions. Listen, we all go through question times. That's not sinful to have a question. The sin is when you separate yourself and you don't ask God. You ask everybody else, all the quote-unquote experts that don't really know jack squat. And you ask the wrong people. Young people, hear me. It's time for you to have your own revelation of Jesus. Not through what grandma said or what mom and dad said. It's time to ask Jesus into your heart and your mind in a real way. If you're here today and you don't know for sure that you know him, this is a moment to pray together and just say, Jesus, come into my life. I want to know you for myself. 
I want to know you in a real way. I, I, I can't just take everything at face value, but I have to know the truth. Show me your word. Teach me. Holy Spirit, you're the only spirit that's welcome in my life. No other spirit has access to me but the Holy Spirit. If you'll pray that prayer, if you'll open your heart, just pray it however you want to pray it. Jesus, yes. Doesn't have to be great words. But if you're here today and say, Pastor, pray for me. I want to know this Jesus you're talking about. Before we go here from here, would you, I'm not going to have you come up to the front, but would you slip your hand up right now if you need prayer today? Say, I'm going through something in my life. I need God to do something. I need divine intervention. I want to know Jesus in this situation. I want to know Jesus in this moment. I want to have Jesus working in me, for me, to me, through me. Lord, you see every hand. You see every heart represented. I ask you to reveal yourself for those in the room and those watching, connecting with us. Holy Spirit, turn the light of revelation on inside of every person. In Jesus' name. Help us to find that fresh flow of God for this next new season. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us at Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, event registration, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook and Instagram. And please use the hashtag NowChurch. Thank you.